0: Phil and Kyle start a podcast, and Rudy Gobert comes to town. Hardly a coincidence, it's Flagrant Howls with Phil Mackey and Kyle Tige.
1: That's right. We're the ones that get things done around here. So we're going to start a podcast. The only way we're going to do it is if you trade for one of the greatest defensive players in modern NBA history. And uh, that brings us here to episode three of Flagrant Howls kyle is now back hopefully somewhat rested from his (laughs) vegas summer league experience and uh, this whole episode is going to be all about
0: the things that you learned good bad and ugly okay from vegas summer league was this was this your first summer league no so ironically i started going back in like 2009 that was the uh steph curry rubio uh like blake griffin draft um my dad my dad took me and my friends and uh it was such a small deal at the time it was like $10 Ten dollars general admission, hundred dollars for courtside all day, which was like a steal because you sat next to the players. They don't do that anymore. But um, I mean th- those they had a hundred people in the arena for that, and now this is just like they fill like a thirteen thousand person stadium. I mean it's they it's a so big now. It's gotten to be. I was gonna say this, but uh, summer league is the NBA's Super Bowl. It's not All Star Weekend. It's not the finals because like All Star Weekend, all those players want to go have vacations. Every team is represented. All these players come through. It's all on the team's dime. Um, so, like, everyone's here. I mean, you. I walked into a, the win, and Corey Brewer's playing craps, and then I <laughs> see Jason Tatum's over there, and then there's Taco Fall, and then there's Mark Cuban, like, getting a latte. So it's, it's insane people watching. It's a must for any NBA fan or someone trying to get into the industry. Um, it's also great for, like, getting autographs if you got little kids. So yeah. Summer League has exploded, but it's such a fun time.
1: It's amazing so I have never been to summer league, so I'm gonna live very much vicariously through the the things that you learned. And I think what probably happens is, you know, most of the teams have been eliminated by the time June rolls around and, and there's a lot of teams that have been eliminated for two months by that point. And so it really is it's like a it's like a middle of the off season point for a lot of the teams that didn't go deep to just like all right. I'm bored. All right, it's been great. I've already done my little yacht tour around you know Hawaii or whatever <laughs> yep. it is. and um, it I what fascinates me too is how LeBron James every year just kind of shows up, sits courtside. This year, there was a big athletic uh, documentation column about how he and Russell Westbrook did not speak to each other during the hour and a half that they were there. but like stuff like that that wouldn't have been a story at all 10 or 15 years ago. Just gets magnified because it's NBA and the summer league has exploded. And I love and, it.
0: And everyone's there. And like they're still running this modern day Super Bowl event at this arena that's like uh UNLV's gym, which is connected to like also like a high schoolish gym. But in between is just like a mezzanine level where there's like dipping dots and coffee and the worst food in the world. But that's how players and coaches and GMs and WoJ get from one gym to the other. So yeah. like I went to get coffee and then like there's Ben Simmons getting pizza. So it's just like to, you have you're so close to these guys. LeBron has to take the same entrance that I took. So, um, it's it's a great people watching. It's great networking. It's great just to see all your favorite players. So it was
1: cool. Well, let's fire this up here. Uh, these are things Kyle learned at NBA Summer League in Las Vegas. I'm assuming some of these are Timberwolves related. Some of these might just be uh, uh, life lifestyle things yeah. that happen <laughs> There's in There's some Vegas.
0: lifestyle ones at the end for sure. Um, No, I mean, this one came out over the weekend, but we were able, like, again, the Wolves were well represented by 42 front office members. Um, They had some players there, Jaden, Nate Knight, Jill and Noel, D'Lo was there. Um, But we could confirm. So Carl Anthony Towns signed his Supermax extension a couple weeks ago. Um, He has two more years on his normal contract and then a four-year Supermax. Him and Devin Booker signed the exact same Supermax deals. Carl's has a player option in the fourth year where Devin Booker's doesn't. So hmm. hypothetically in 2027, that summer when the wolves don't have a pick, Carl's also going to have like a $62 million player option. Can't imagine he turns that down, but it was just like something that we confirmed with some people there. And it's also something to keep in mind. Cause like, it is a little weird. I don't know who they were negotiating against in terms of like giving them that option. You thought they would just be four years, you know, all under team control. So, just something to put a bookmark in now. Not a huge worry, but um, it, instead of six years of team control, now it's only five years. So we thought that was a little weird. I don't know if you'd heard that yet.
1: No, that is that is interesting. And I think the the question that you asked is the one that I have too, which is who are you negotiating against? What is? It's such a little thing because it's so far into the future. It's, right. it's after the Gobert contract runs out. Is it? Is yep. it? Is it? Maybe. I'm trying to think of the timeline here. He probably caught wind of the Gobert trade discussions. And did he maybe say, well, why don't we line? Cause well, let me ask another question. When would Anthony Edwards max contract run out? Because it what the- that would kick in in two years and then it'd be a four year max.
0: Yeah. I think it would go one more year after that. Um The, the okay. reason I brought up Devin Booker is because they, again, they signed the exact same, they came in the same year. They signed the exact same super max, but they're represented by the same agent. Her name's Jess. So, it was just kind of like, just, you know, like it raises an eyebrow. Like why yeah, would Booker it. get that deal all four years staying in Fiend? And then this one just has this little slight crack that, I mean, again, if Carl's balling out in 2027, you would, you know, then that's great for the team. That means he's been playing awesome and you just renegotiate another one. Um, it's just weird. It was a weird thing. I think maybe Nikola Jokic got it too. So it's not like reason to worry, but um, that was kind of the big Carl Anthony Towns news over the weekend. Um, So for the
1: aggregators out there, the headline here is Carl Anthony Towns wants (laughs) out of Minnesota by 2027. Yeah. Put that out
0: there. Carl wants out in five and a half years. Yep. (laughs) Um, So no, that was just like a little housekeeping. Um, Another one, too, is, again, you see all these people at Summer League. So just getting coffee, doing whatever. Tim Wolves alum that were in town that were kind of noteworthy. I said Corey Brewer. Um, Every time I saw Corey Brewer, he was gambling. So I don't know if it was just he was doing some him time or else he – might have an addiction, but let's, like uh, let's
1: take a guess here. How much money do you think Corey Brewer made in his NBA career? Maybe you look, maybe you already are a nerd. And I looked haven't this looked
0: up. this up yet, but I would imagine he's oh, done, right? Yeah. yeah he's, he's uh done I would I'm, I'm looking up on spot. Wow. He still I, played in 2020 with the Kings and he's not that old. He's like 36. I was going to, so I, I have the number here. I was going to say 60 million. And I don't know if you said, it looks like he made 55 million. So
1: $55 million. Good for him,
0: man. And just to think that, as we just talked about Carl, Carl. so Brewer made $55 million his whole career. Carl will have a $62 million player option in
1: 2027. That's insane. Another thing, since we're down this, how much did players make side streets? So when uh, when I was looking for some Rudy Gobert comps, you know, like we talked about last week, we talked oh, yeah. about the, the Dallas Mavericks from 10 yep. years ago, Dirk Nowitzki and Tyson Chandler, decent comp. Although... 10 years ago, you didn't have to run out. There's like 18 more three-point attempts per game that you have to sort of worry about as a defense now. But Tyson Chandler was regarded for a long time as, cause he was supposed to be him and, and um, uh, Eddie Curry were supposed to be the next generation after the Michael Jordan Bulls, right? Yep. And yep. so there's a lot of people that's, because they weren't that, that Tyson Chandler was just kind of a bust and he never really panned out. So I, for some reason I was doing a deep dive into Tyson Chandler's career, which lasted almost 20 seasons. And, uh, and he only made one All-Star game. He was the Defensive Player of the Year one of those years, too. So he had, like, a couple really good defensive seasons. He was a very solid player. Tyson Chandler in his NBA career made almost $200 million. He had a good agent. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> That's crazy. and he was a good defensive player. But, yep. man, these guys, I can see why some of the old school players, like uh, these damn youngsters, they don't know, know what it's it, like to have to ride buses and make only six figures instead of nine. You know,
0: I, it's going to be crazy too. Because if again, if you're on spot track, you can see like a player's career earnings. And I think, like I saw Devin Booker by the time all his deals are done, he's going to have made three hundred and fifty million or four hundred million. <laughs> and it's just like, but then again, you think about like in baseball, Aaron Judge is going to sign up maybe five hundred million dollars. So it's just like these numbers are getting to the point. We actually talked about this with some people in summer league. Like, we'll probably see a guy sign like. Have a $500 million, like $100 million a year deal at some point before we all die. Like, that's just where these numbers are going.
1: Yeah, well, hell, I mean, we're already, we're two, we're going to be two thirds of the way there by the end of these next max contracts. I remember like when Steph Curry signed a max, a super max, wow, three years ago, whatever it was, like, holy crap, he's going to be making 50. And now very quickly it's 60 at the end. And soon it'll be 70, I'm sure, by the time like Anthony Edwards, when he signs a super max, let's see here. So he'll be 22. 22 or 23 when his max kicks in, and that so, like, his first super max will be like 27, just like Towns, I guess. Yep, by the end of his super max, he'll be in his early 30s, and it'll almost certainly be for like 75 million dollars on the back end. I would think
0: <laughs> he, in one season, he's gonna be awesome to see what he does <laughs> with that much money, too, right? Like, he'll just maybe he'll buy the team by the time he's 35 and buy it that, from A-Rod. That's the other thing, it's like, yeah, some of these guys.
1: How many guys could retire from sports, and now it's like these guys retire, Alex Rodriguez retires, and like, well, I just got, I don't know, a billion dollars burning a hole in my pocket. I think I'll help buy the Timberwolves.
0: Yeah. It'll be great. So, mm. yeah, so back to the alum. Like I said, uh, Scott Burr, Dario Sarge, uh, Jared Vanderbilt was in town uh, hanging out with the Jazz a little bit. He was in good spirits. Um, he was not on- happy,
1: by the way, with the way the, the Timberwolves sent him off in a, in a group Twitter graphic. It was uh, here's goodbye to all four of these guys. And Jared retweeted like,
0: what, can't even can't even get my own graphic. And I, I think he was trolling. But that that whole thing came up a couple other times throughout the weekend by just like, you know, like we're talking to media people from Denver and stuff. They're like Yeah, that was kind of weird, right? Like they couldn't send four separate tweets. And as someone who sends a lot of tweets, I was like, yeah, you know, that probably wouldn't have been that hard. But um he he was in good spirits. He's a huge human. I forgot about how big he is and how jacked he is. Um, Tayshaun Prince saw him. Uh, he was, I think, I think he's with the Grizzlies front office. Um, he was cool to talk to David Vanterpool was in town. Tom Thibodeau, um, Ryan Saunders. So the wolves played yep. the nuggets on Friday. Um, so Ryan Saunders was there on behalf of the nuggets. Cause he'll be an assistant coach. Um, he was in great spirits as well. Chatted with him. Um, I think the biggest one we saw um, sitting courtside for the Knicks game one night was our uh, former friend Gerson Rosas. Yeah. He was there um, with an, another person you might recognize. Yeah. Um, and then good one night, them. yeah, good for them. Um, one night, too, I was I was out with um, Dane Moore and, and Jace Frederick. We uh, we ran into Josh Akogi at the Aria. He actually spotted us, came over and like kind of thanked us and talked a little bit. Um, I think he seemed he seemed kind of down that he's not going to be back in Minnesota, but he was pretty excited about kind of a new chapter for him in Phoenix. So um, shout out to Josh, because I think Josh was probably one of the three favorite people I've ever talked to. He's just such a good dude. Um, he's going to miss. He mentioned multiple times, like missing the community because uh, he was so ingrained in that um so here's another guy i saw and then kind of to cap off the alum list uh grabbed dinner on sunday night with dave benz he was in town oh, how's da- is,
1: does dave have he looked like he was doing some freelance for somebody
0: yes yep, so he's uh he's got a house still in the bay so he was down in san francisco he uh and he is very well connected um so he ha- didn't do any pickleball stuff this year that'll probably pick up but uh he's doing some giants things i think he's doing calling an a's game maybe next week um so he seemed in good spirits. doesn't really know what his next step is, but uh, he did mention multiple times that he saw every um, hashtag bring back Ben's like he saw all the nice messages and stuff. Uh, he had nothing but great things to say about the Timberwolves fans. So that's cool. Cool. Catching up with him. I'm um, super
1: curious to see what they do. Have you heard any rumblings about what what Bally's is going to do? I'm assuming Jim Pete's coming back. I hope. Yeah, J-
0: yeah, Jim. Amazing. I didn't get to run into him, but we texted a little bit. He uh, he'll be back um, by all accounts um, and he's beloved. Uh I also think, too, like they'll probably just lean into maybe like um, I think they're also big game hunting for this position as every other position. But maybe the Marv Albert, who are we going to get? Mike Breen. Let's do it. Let's not stop at
1: Tim Connolly (laughs) and Rudy Gobert. Let's just let's Kevin Harlan coming back would actually be awesome. I would say like 10 percent realistic and 100
0: percent amazing. And, you know, I think I think Mark Laurie and Alex Rodriguez will have a lot of say in this. I, I would imagine they'll probably bring in like maybe a younger like female partner to pair with um to pair with jim um just kind of you know they're they are talked constantly about adding diversity and those things so Mm -hmm. that'd probably be the way i'd lean i don't think it's gonna be marnie i think she has no interest in that that's why she doesn't want to travel that's that's a grind of a job you fly with the team but yeah it's a lot of work so yeah ben's ben's wanted to say you know a shout out to all the fans um he was in great spirits it was cool to see him um the other the other thing so we're there And I have a lot of friends in the Denver media. So we just kind of hung out with them, grabbed dinner, drinks. Uh, Tim Connolly is a savage. Like Tim Connolly is a savage to them. They're going to miss him. They told some kind of wild stories about him. Um, I think he they backed up the idea that he likes to have a beer or seven um, with people. So if you see him about this summer, like, don't be afraid to go to Tim. And do you think Tim
1: Connolly was buzzed a little bit the first time he reached out to the Jazz this offseason after taking the Timberwolves job? Just said, hey. I'm like two and a half beers in right now.
0: hundred percent. How available is Rudy Gobert? hundred <laughs> percent. And it sounded like, you know, um, everyone in the front office was pretty on board with that move. You know, like we've kind of talked about this before, but um, but Mark Laurie, uh, Dane Moore got to interview him on Saturday and talking to him a little bit. Like he was very much like if this is who you want, Tim, you know, you've seen the memes out there. F them picks like Mark was like, go get your guy. So um, but yeah, a lot. Of, I mean, also, too, he had like a gravity to him. He didn't go to the Friday night game. He came into Vegas on Saturday, Tim Conley, but um, I think he was trying to avoid any Nuggets drama on Friday night. Um, like Josh Kroenke was there, mm. and I'm pretty sure Josh Kroenke like hates Tim, <laughs> um, because he yeah, his and-
1: his public comments were weird, I and mean, he made he made those weird. Well, he did call the Wolves a desperate franchise, which yeah, yeah it stings if you're a Wolves fan, but yeah, like yeah, it's it's kind of it's kind of true over the last yeah. 20 years. And so, and yeah, by the way, avoiding Josh that Kroenke would be good.
0: Yeah, Josh Cranky looks like if you uh the old Twitter CEO, he just has this weird he's just like a weird dude too. I mean, someone He looks like Jack? Yes, like Jack. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So um Tim kind of avoided that, but then he was sitting courtside Sunday and he was holding court. I mean, he um like Wilson, a lot of players would come through, shake his hand, like they made a made a reason to go see him. So um a lot of other people though, talking to like the Pelicans, beat writers, talking to people. Um, a lot more writers and podcasters and stuff are super intrigued by all this and like they're like, we don't really care what you paid to get them. We think you guys are going to be really, really good. So yeah. it was cool kind of seeing the maybe the, I mean, you know, the national people don't always follow the Wolves. They don't care. But these people that do nerd out and follow the Wolves a little closer, even if they cover a different team, they're they're pretty intrigued by all this. And they think the Wolves are going to be pretty, the, the, pretty good.
1: The only people, first of all, the only person I have heard complain about how much money Tim Connolly is set to make is Josh Cronkey. Mm hmm. Mm hmm. And and if you if you really started to ask around the league, I'm sure you I'm sure owners would ideally like to keep the cost down. Anytime one of the top front office guys gets you know, his salary doubled, then I'm sure it, if you're Mark Cuban or whoever else, you're looking around saying, "All right, well, is this going to reset the market for the top president to basketball operations?" But in a league where all these franchises, we started to do this math on on our show a few weeks ago that like, so Tim Connolly, what is it? It's like a is it sixty. 50 million dollars or no it's 40 guess, million dollars over, over five yeah okay so he's making like eight million dollars a year yep and and there are some as as glenn taylor uh, grabbed the microphone during the introductory <laughs> press conference and said uh, i'll handle that question he's got bonuses it's it's just bonuses like anybody else has so let's say his bonuses are tied into the value of the team going up or something because the mm-hmm. whatever because they win a bunch of games it's a freaking drop in the bucket. Let's say for a franchise that is worth about $1.5 billion right now, I want to say, like 1.55 or something. And there's other teams, similar market sizes like Milwaukee. They win a championship now. They're worth closer to $2 billion or whatever. And maybe I'm getting the math wrong on this. But if your franchise with a great front office hire and a bold trade and a young superstar and Carl anthony Towns over the next five years can go from being worth $1.5 billion to $1.8 billion or $2 billion. No one's going to talk about, boy, but Tim Connolly costs us a lot of money, right? Right, right, exactly. Dropping the bucket.
0: Yeah, and you know, when that whole, and I think Doogie's reported on this, but like when they sold the team originally or they agreed to that number, I had one friend who was in Atlanta was just like, they could sell it. They're supposed to, you know, take over fully in 2023. They could sell it December 2nd for probably two $2 billion, right? Like yes. they got it on a discount anyway. You've added all these, you know, powerful people you've added a lot of talent um it's already a discount so yeah for for Connelly to get in on that um the the, the one interesting thing from some denver people was that and this goes back to the josh kronky thing um i think when tim left this is doogie big scoop i'm just giving little scoops here like it sounded like tim was like i'm not going to take anyone um it does sound like behind the scenes he did try to maybe bring darrell arthur who former former player um over to minnesota and Drew Arthur had to like answer some questions, and then Saturday night went public. I was like, I'm not, I'm not leaving. I'm staying here. So that might have ruffled some feathers in Denver. But again, too, like if I was taking a different job, I'd try to like, you know, we're friends. Like, hey, do you want to come with me? Do you want to Dude, come with me? So I think it's Denver
1: has thing. this. This kind of this triggers me a little. Denver, Denver had a chance to match the new value of Tim. Correct. Con- the, the new value yep. of Tim Connolly is yep. whatever a quote unquote desperate franchise wants to pay for him. Yep. Okay. So the desperate Timberwolves come along and say, we're going to double your salary. All right, Denver, if you love Tim Connolly, and I th- I think, and maybe you can confirm this, he would have preferred to just keep going with Denver and loved his time living in Denver and the people that he worked with. And if Denver would have made
0: the same offer, he probably just stays in Denver. So it's, and, and it was Denver's that. decision. Yeah. And not even that, but some of these media people are really tight with Tim, And I think Tim will get that tight with our Minneapolis media, but, um, it didn't even have to be the same number. It didn't have to match, right? Like, yes, they doubled his salary or whatever. It could have been one and a half times. I think he would have liked seeing that thing through. Uh, and if you're the Kronkies, like, you own the Rams and they won the Super Bowl, right? You own the Avs. They just won the Super Bowl. You own 13 other teams, including, like, Arsenal. So it's mm-hmm. not like they didn't have the money, I think. And again, this is just judging a book by its cover. But seeing Josh Cronky, I was just like, yeah, that dude just probably believes in himself and his system. And he's like, nah, screw it. Leave. Yeah, just don't. So yeah, I'm I'm with you on that. Also, too, the last kind of nugget I had on Connolly was these guys were saying from Denver that he had been talking about Chris Finch like a year ago, like just unpressed, like just they'd be talking to him off the cuff at getting a beer, and he'd be like, "Yo, that Chris Finch is like a wizard. Like I love the way he coaches and stuff." So I would imagine that Finch had a big part in kind of the recruitment of Tim Connolly, but also Tim finally making the move to come over here. So I thought that was cool
1: and probably greenlighting the Gobert thing too. I'm just trying to think of how how quickly that went down. So it all yep. happened within a few weeks. And then you're, and you're, and you got other irons in the fire for some of the other players, Moore, uh or Murray, Murray that, yep. went, that went down the, the path for a while. But I'm guessing that there is a ton of conversation with Chris Finch, just schematically saying, Hey, can, can this work? We don't yep. have to do this. This is kind of all of our careers here. We're, we're putting our legacies on the line a little bit by making this trade. So tell us if you don't think this can work and we will take, the assets that we would trade for Gobert and maybe move them somewhere else, and smart people got into a room and said, "No, we can make this work."
0: And and you think back at the trade deadline, it was just really Finch and Sachin. Um, but we had heard over summer league that like the Wolves had really kicked the tires at that time on like Demontis Sabonis, who would have been a much less exciting fit on this team next to Carl. because they both kind of have defensive liabilities, but. Having interest in a big at that time kind of leads me to believe that Finch had a lot. I mean, I knew Finch liked the Walker Kessler draft pick at the time. Gobert's just a better version of all that stuff. But uh I think Finch probably has been looking for a while. It's like, I want to play big. I've done it before. I've shown I can make it happen. So um I'm with you on that. I think Finch had a lot to say in in this.
1: Yeah. All right, let's um, keep going down the list of things Kyle learned at NBA Summer League well, in Vegas. We're,
0: we're on f- bullet four here. Like maybe we should actually talk about the games. Um,
1: oh yeah, that's right, Josh right. Minot. Uh, let's talk about the first game. I, it's funny. I had for our for our Monday, uh, we had to do statements on Mackie and Judd. Yep. And uh, you know, I got a couple glasses of red wine in me and watched the the first Summer League game, and I just like I had these are all of my Summer League observations ready to rock for Monday, and then the the other game happened. And they, were, they combined for, like, 13 fouls between uh, the, the two draft picks. I said, well, maybe we just ignore that one. And I'll just bring my my excitement from, from game one. But, yeah, what did you observe watching? We're,
0: I was sitting on, like, Meteor Row there. I was with Jason Dane. And we were amped for that first game on Friday. Um, Sunday night, we I was glad to be there, but we couldn't have cared less. I think it was because at one point the two teams were three for 50 from three. Yeah. And you could just <laughs> yeah. feel that energy. Um, No. So – We got to talk to Josh Minot a lot. Got to talk to Wendell Moore, um, two really great people, um, very different personalities. Wendell Moore seems like uh, Kevin Burleson mentioned this. he's coaching the team. He he described him as having an old soul. Mm -hmm. Um, He does. He sounds like he's a 35-year-old guy talking. Josh Minot is like a 14-year-old kid talking. He is way more like Ant off the cuff. Um, But yeah, he, he was awesome in his first game. I also think two Sundays games sucked. Those guys and Wendell Moore brought this up when we talked to him. You know, they, they had their season, and then they went straight into two-plus months of, like, workouts and draft stuff. And then you go, like, you get drafted, and you go do a press conference, and you do a week of practice, and you go to summer league. Wendell Moore's like, I haven't really, like, he's from Duke. He's like, I don't know if I've been to my apartment in, like, two months. So I think those guys are starting to get tired legs. But um Friday night, Josh was awesome. Hurt We were talking to Jonathan Sharks from The Ringer, and he had mentioned some story about Josh Minot, where he was recruited to Memphis by, like, the second-in-command there, the assistant Um, meanwhile, Penny Hardaway had recruited like Duran who got drafted like in the lottery and then Imani Bates, who was a really big time prospect. So Penny went and got his two guys for the front court. And then this assistant went and got Josh Minot. So once they all got together, Penny's guys kind of got preferential treatment, right? Like they got the minutes. So I think it kind of bummed Josh out. He probably didn't realize what he was signing up for. And it kind of affected his play in Memphis, his mood. And I think that's why he probably dropped in the second round. But anyone you talk to after you ask, like I was talking to a Pistons guy after the Gobert thing, he goes, so "What do you think about Minot?" So he had a lot of buzz for being drafted like forty eighth overall. Yeah, um, so that was that was pretty cool, and he's a great interview. If you ever get him and Ant in the same room this season, it's going to be must watch TV.
1: Well, the the other fascinating thing to me is you see sometimes these kids when they're you know eight seventeen eighteen years old going into college, and and maybe they're a one and done, or maybe they go play overseas. Isn't that yep. what well, LaMelo Ball wouldn't play in like the Australia. Australian league or yep. something? And then you look at his numbers and you're like, eh, it's kind of unimpressive. But then when you unleash some of these talented players in the summer league or in the NBA, mm-hmm. they just, they, they look totally different. And Josh Minot, I believe that was the most points he scored. If you take all 33 of his freshman games at Memphis and then this summer league game on Friday night, that's the most points. he. It was like 10 rebounds couple of three. He just, he looked like this free flowing player that almost like a, I don't want to make a direct comparison to Jaden McDaniels. Cause I think they have different skill sets and they're different in, in certain ways, but it just looked like, oh man, that's not the player that you might, might've saw at Memphis. And it's certainly not a player that was limited to like nine minutes in some of the end of season tournament games, but you unleash them in a more wide open NBA environment and they, they just react differently.
0: No. Him, him, and Jaden when they show up to uh, training camp are going to be like the Spider Man meme, right? Like yeah. <laughs> both highly touted high school guys had a bad year in college, and and again, it does affect your draft stock. But I think that's another reason why the pick was awesome because I think we already know that he was a first round talent. Like there aren't forty three players better than him. Um, and to your point on Tuesday, yeah, he hit two threes, which we didn't really know was part of his game. He hit two threes in all of his time at Memphis. So. We asked him about that. He's like, "Yeah, I've been working on my jump shot. I, I can't wait to show that the next level." Um, but he's just a really good kid. He he described himself as a lawnmower to Dane when he's like, "Yeah, once I get going, I don't stop." I don't know if he's ever mowed a lawn before because <laughs> that's not how it works with the bar. But uh, he he's going to be the new Josh Kogi for energy. He he loves bringing energy. He loves he has a chip on his shoulder. So, but he's, he's bigger really... too.
1: It's like the problem with a yep, Kogi exactly. is like, he's like six foot four. He's kind of, he he's like a power forward, but he's six foot four and he can't shoot. You know, and,
0: and, and no offense to Josh, but when he came up to us at the Aria, I was again, I had had a beer or seven and I was just like, man, he is not much bigger than I am. And that's unfortunate, right? Like you probably wish he was six six. He's yeah. got long arms. But I heard
1: he, he when when he turned around, he had an empty Starbucks cup, and he uh,
0: he clanked it off the the garbage can. <laughs> you know, that was just what well, that's what my sources had told me. Yeah, I, I I can't confirm, but I, I I wouldn't be against that. No great and then, human uh,
1: being though. That was a completely unnecessary drive by by me. I digress.
0: He's great, and he again he had such great things to say. He'll be back in Minneapolis, I'm sure a lot. Um, Wendell Moore too, Again, he old soul. He didn't. He didn't look as big. He's not going to be the biggest or the fastest or the most most athletic. They're playing him a ton at point guard as just kind of the experiment in summer league. So, um, But I think, and this happens in other sports, but I think when you put Wendell more around just better players and his, I mean, he was being asked to do a lot of first option type stuff in summer league. When he's like the fifth option, he does have a nice stroke. He does understand the game. So I think he's going to be maybe like, Maybe he's their third point guard behind D'Lo and JMac uh, this season. But so
1: I saw one. I was going through just some different, you know, drafts, scouting report websites on Wendell Moore, and one of the NBA comps I saw it was an old school throwback comp to the '90s, late '80s, '90s. Ron Harper, like Ron Harper. Oh yeah, yeah, Sr. that's a good one. Yep. And and it's like okay, Ron. So Ron Harper was initially a shooting guard coming out of college, and he was like a twenty points per game guy. I think with the yep. Pacers for a number of years. And, uh, and then he goes to the Bulls and plays with some of the greatest players of all time as a point guard. Six-foot-six, mm-hmm. big-body point comp, guard, yeah. just a defensive terrorizer at the at the top of the key. So that's a – I think it, that would be sort of a best-case scenario for Wendell Moore. But could he be – I mean, six-foot-five, right? Could he be sort of a, a, a big-bodied combo guard who can get hands in passing lanes and knock down some threes? Maybe not as a primary scoring option, but that's interesting to me.
0: Yeah, and I think too, if you're Finch, having like Jordan McLaughlin and Wendell Moore be your second and third point guards gives you like a trust factor that like they're gonna run the offense. They're gonna get in at you know, in your second lineup, like you're just trying to get the whoever's out there as a starter, whether it's cat and four subs, you're just trying to get the right guys of the ball. Uh and Wendell Moore, I mean, he didn't pop physically, but he popped talking about the game. He popped talking about all the things he's learned and can bring. So I'm excited to watch him play. Um we also just to go off the Wolves rookies, Matteo Spagnola was there. He seems like a really good kid. He'll be over in Italy, um, but he was he was funny to listen to. Uh, and then the last little note was I don't know if you Friday night you saw that game that Kavon Harris he had that left handed dunk. Yeah. That actually yeah. I was on sports. I got out of my chair. I did the most inappropriate media thing of all time. But uh, he's like a twenty five <laughs> year old. He grinded with the Raptors G League a little bit, but um, he was cool to talk to too, right? Because it's nineteen and twenty year olds that already have a silver spoon a little bit with like, they're going to have a contract. They're going to be in the league. Well, he's 25 and just trying to like, he's, this is like one of his last chances. And he was just, he's a dog. He has such good energy. um It was really, I almost got emotional talking to him. Like he, he's really trying to make this dream work. So I I hope the Iowa wolves pick him up. I don't know what his status is for next season, but if he's on the Iowa wolves, he would be kind of worth checking out a game Mm. just because he has a lot of skill. He's just, He's older and he doesn't want the dream of being in the NBA to die.
1: So so he's like he's 25, he's been grinding. Can you a- answer a dumb question for me? We were trying to figure this out on Mackie and Judd the other day. Can anyone anyone can play in the summer league, right? Like if you wanted to, if the Wolves decided, you know what, Memphis, we're gonna put Rudy Gobert on the court in a summer league game and jam it down your throat. <laughs> like you would never do that, but like you could there's no, it's not like uh, NFL uh, practice squad rules where they have to be, you know, first two or three years in league. If you wanted to put LeBron James in a summer league game, in theory, you could, right?
0: Yeah, that we randomly joked about that, but um, yeah, I yes, you can you can play those guys. Also, too, like from one Spectre Gobert all the way to the other side, you see their rosters have like 16, 17 guys. I mean, they but they play a seven man rotation, eight man rotation. It's actually big for some of those guys, like. Like I could be on the summer league roster and it'd be big for me to be like, yeah, you know, I was on the Timberwolves summer league roster when I'm trying to negotiate like playing in China or something. Yeah, yeah. Some of those guys just sign on just for like the clout of being associated with them. So that just go make one
1: hundred thousand dollars in Australia or something. Yeah. yeah, So it
0: helps them out. But yeah, you could mean, you know, if they wanted to put Ant in a game just for fun, uh, it would it would be. Do you think awesome they should have sent watch. a
1: message to Memphis or to Denver and said, listen, we're gonna we're gonna put our legitimate starting five out here for one half and
0: <laughs> I would have been so <laughs> three ACLs torn and an Achilles <laughs> When you you watch those summer league games and I you know, other than the names on the jerseys, I there's often times where it's like, what's the difference between this and LA fitness? The games yeah. are so bad and it's just reckless, right? Because like, these guys are fighting for their careers. So a lot of diving for loose balls, like you just I would not want Ant's ankles anywhere near like some grinding back for sure. to the Grizzlies. Um, but yeah, anyone could play. So my I last note, I, what,
1: real quick on on um, one more note on just like the nature of the games because there's a lot of guys that are fighting for their careers <laughs> yeah. and roster spots and, and things. You know, the hustle factor can be a little bit frenetic, but there's there, it's not a bunch of dudes just lazily out there playing basketball. There's no. a lot of guys fighting for careers, and even with that frenetic environment, especially the first summer league game. Mine it was two levels above energy wise everybody else. I mean 100%. he was energizer bunny. I don't know what he does for conditioning on a daily basis. He probably wakes up and, you know, <laughs> sprints on a treadmill for four hours, but that was noticeable to me. Excuse me. Like, okay, if you put this guy on the court, he might not be a sniper three-point shooter and might not be the most like honed, physically talented guy yet, but he is going to run back and forth and and out sprint and out hustle players.
0: And I thought going into that, that like he was so raw he was, but that he would just be best to live in Des Moines for the next nine months and play with the Iowa wolves. His contract status, by the way, he hasn't signed yet. Right. Cause it's like, is he going to do a two way, which is kind of risky or are they going to try to get him that goop to special and get him one of those like Jalen Noel four year deals. Um, but I came away with it. Like he would probably be best served, not playing, but being up with the big league team. Because at practices or in training camps, just having yeah. that energy, being able to like, I don't know, spend a lot of time with like a Torian Prince or like having a veteran. Um, Kyle Anderson would be a good one, too. Like just having someone to be in his ear a lot um, might benefit him more than just like, you know, spending a ton of time down in Iowa. Um, but yeah, so his contract is not I would imagine they sign him. Also, too, I said this at the top, like Nate Knight was everywhere with the Timberwolves. I think he is an a like, restricted free agent, but I wouldn't be surprised if they bring him back, too. And that's kind of your roster, right? Like Nate Knight. Maybe Dr. he's My your last
1: night. backup big or something. Yeah, just yeah. Gets and get more of a
0: chance. He's mm-hmm. like Jaden's like best friend, it seems like. So I would expect to have those two back. Otherwise, kind of to close it out, just some random s- stories. I was texting you about this, too. But like uh, one night, that same night we saw Josh at the Aria are getting drinks, and we went to the craps table. High limit craps table. I was just watching. Ty Lue, Tayshaun Prince, Brian Shaw, Jameer Nelson. Ty Lue has like 200,000 in chips. Uh, chamele- <laughs> chameleon-, <laughs> chameleon Air, the rapper walks over. And Ty Lu is just as plugged into this craps game as he would be like a Western Conference final. It was <laughs> insane to watch you he, he was rolling the dice for like 30 minutes. And that's like that epitomizes what summer league is like. Just normal people playing craps, playing blackjack. Um, so that was a cool story. And then also too, Kevin Porter Jr., again, this is how funny Vegas summer league is. He was staying at the Cosmo. He's a he's a guard for the Rockets. Um, he was coming down the escalator behind us. And some people move around Vegas in those like Uh, little cart things with little scooters Uh, and some lady in her scooter just ran over Kevin Porter Jr.'s foot (laughs) and I just imagine like if any Rockets fan was around they would have had a stroke so again just my grandma on a scooter hit Kevin Porter Jr. with her cart and like that's just Vegas summer league that's Liz
1: Frank fracture out for the season career derailed oh my gosh
0: (laughs) so yeah that was like that was just another you just see all these different people but uh it was cool we got like I said Dane Moore had a really good pod if you haven't listened uh, with Mark Laurie he was very open um he's very I I, I kind of want your opinion on this. I don't know if you've listened yet, but um, I just I don't know how many either. I don't know how many owners are like plugged into the team as much as like Mark Laurie drops crazy statistics. Like he clearly is looking at this stuff. He's clearly plugged into like analytics. Um, and he's very he's very bullish on the team. I think he made a mention that they have a shot shot this year to win a title. So we'll I love see. that. So, but
1: he believes what I have heard, because w- when the news came out. Was it a year ago now? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. It's like a year. They've they've been involved for like a year, and um, I was trying to do some digging on okay. Other than just what we know publicly about the two companies he sold to Amazon and and Walmart, and he helped really build Walmart's e commerce infrastructure, and like he's been a, a huge player in these industries. What is what does he know about sports and basketball? Does he have any other? And as it was put to me by a couple different people, he knew next to nothing about basketball. And when you're rich, of course, you can expedite your learning process. So that's why he went out and hired Damian Lillard's shooting coach to teach him, I want to learn how to play basketball. And through that process, Damian Lillard's shooting coach recommended like five or 10 different basketball books. Uh, I think one of them was, I've got it right here, the Phil Jackson book. Oh, yep, yep. 11 Rings, if you guys haven't read it. It's excellent. It's just Phil, Phil Jackson going through like all of his championships as a player and as a coach. But here's a bunch of books for you to crash course your way into basketball knowledge and then i'm sure from there he started asking around you know okay what are the what are the analytics i need to know right like i'm pretty Mm -hmm. sure he has spent the last year going from knowing almost nothing about basketball like even he was even asking what are the five most important basketball movies i should watch i want to crash course my knowledge of of basketball and um i think what's not that glenn has been a micromanager but I think sometimes sports owners can be a little meddly. like yeah, Mark Cuban's probably been guilty of this. Jerry Jones, for sure, with the Cowboys. But he doesn't feel like the type of guy that's going to get super hands on. Like he wants to hire smart people. He's also involved in a million different. He's trying to mm-hmm. launch a city of the future, for God's sakes, right? He doesn't need yep. to be meddling in personnel decisions. But one of his first priorities was let's hire the best possible person. Let's start with Pat Riley on a list, be told mm-hmm. no, and then go down and we'll land our Tim Connolly. And so what you said off the top of the podcast, which is listen, from Mark Laurie's voice, Tim, if you think Rudy Gobert's the guy, go get it. I hired you and I trust you and we pay you to make that decision. Let's go do it. Yeah. Money, capital, vision is what he talks about. And he or money people capital vision, I guess. Yeah, I I
0: vision, vision capital people, or as I put it, vision capital Jaden McDaniels, like, he's the most important person. (laughs) So, he and he made multiple references too, which is very businessy. Like, you can't control the outputs, right? You can't actually control winning or that stuff, but you can control the inputs. And he kept referencing that. And his inputs are Tim Connolly, like bringing in all these other people. I mean, whether we like to joke about the Avengers front office, like, they brought in a ton of people. They, yeah. They're paying a lot of salary to their front office, probably more than 75% of the league. They went out and got Gobert and they're like, again, what do you need to get this done? So I've been saying to you, like, you're not supposed to like your owners, right? No one really loves their, the owner of their professional team for the most part, but we're a year into this. And Mark, I mean, I don't, he hasn't really stumbled. He's, he's addressed things in the arena. He's addressed things in the front office. Um, they kept ticket prices the same. Those are going to jack up at some point, but That's what you do when you win 50 games and you have a lot of fun guys. So he's delivered on everything he said. And I think he's engaged and has his input. But I also think he knows like this is Tim's decision. That's Chris's decision or Finch's decision. Like he's not going to be having his input in the starting lineup. So so far, so good.
1: Yeah. Maybe the most impressive thing he's done is come in here as a minority owner with, you know, two years down the road when he initially bought in with Alex Rodriguez, but he has massaged the Glenn Taylor relationship so well, so well in a way where Glenn has essentially said, yeah, man, just uh, go do what you got to do. Go yep. go spend $8 million a year on a new president of basketball operations. Go trade for Rudy Gobert. I mean, I'm sure Glenn also is signing off on some of these things and making some of these people look him in the eye, which is another thing we didn't get to. We have like a minute left here. But in, in our last minute here, what are your thoughts on Andrew Wiggins discovering rebounding for the first time These are his quotes to the Point Forward podcast. Uh, When we played small ball in the Memphis series, I had to rebound. I'm in there rebounding, thinking, this isn't that hard. I can rebound. I'll never average four rebounds again. I look back now, like, how? I wasn't really thinking straight. I look back now, I don't know how it was possible that I was averaging only four rebounds. Andrew
0: Wiggins, discovering rebounding. Yeah, shout out to Year Andy. eight. Shout out, shout out to and Andrew. Finding out about seat belts 12 years into having his driver's <laughs> license. Um no, I saw when you tweeted that out. I mean, it just backs up everything Wiggins said or people had said about Wiggins when he was here. Um he's not a bad, he's actually probably one of the nicest guys in the league. He, he just loves his family, he loves his kid, he loves playing video games. Um, but he's just clueless. You know what I mean? Like he was clueless until There's that viral video during the finals run where Andre Waddell like grabs him and like starts yelling at him. And then Wiggins just went off like Wiggins probably didn't have the best veteran leadership when he was in Minnesota. But on the same side, it's like if you're making a hundred million dollars, you don't know like, hey, rebounding is important. I'm athletic. I should be able to grab more than four of these. It's on you. So, you know, wash your hands of it. It's done. But yeah, I read that and I was like, I'm going to have to start drinking. And it's like not. Dude,
1: amazing. Well, those are Kyle's summer league observations and Vegas craps table observations. <laughs> Great stuff. And uh, I know we're kind of, we're kind of winding down the, the heat of the off season here, but we have a million other things that we will dive into mm-hmm. in the coming weeks here on flagrant house. Maybe we can start cobbling together some, some fun guests at some point too. Yep. And this is about as excited as I've ever been for a Timberwolf season. So three Same. months, you, three you, months. Me
0: and everyone else that covers this team and covers the league, like, they're the, they were the, one of the hottest topics in town, them and Kevin Durant. So uh, I'm excited to, to get things started. Awesome, man.
1: Thanks, everyone. And if you could, uh, if you've subscribed either on Spotify or Apple to the, the standalone uh, Flagrant Howls podcast, if you could give us a five-star rating and a positive review. And also, if you could click subscribe on the Scornorth YouTube channel and the like button on this episode, it'll help spread the word to fellow Timberwolves fans. We'll see you next week on Flagrant Howls.